Well, what is up? And welcome again to uh, Element Church. So glad that all of you are here with us today. I do want to also say hello to our online family. Anybody who's joining us on video here in the building or somewhere around the world, you're a part of our home. And so we're glad you're tuning in as well. If you're new here, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. And before we dive into the fourth and final week uh, in a message series called Labels, I want to let you know about a new series we are starting two weeks from today. So on Sunday, September 11th, which just happens to be opening weekend of NFL football. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right, the important things first, right? NFL starts back up again. One thing I love about opening weekend of NFL football is every fan base has hope. Like even Raider fans have hope on opening weekend. So we're starting a sermon series that Sunday called Even You Can Have Hope. Just kidding, that's not the name of the series. Uh, We're starting a series uh, that Sunday called Don't Be a Fan. Don't Be a Fan. And here's, here's the thing. Uh, when it's, what's true about sports teams is also true about our spiritual lives, that fans tend to be faithful when things are going well. But when the tough gets going, it's the followers that stick around. And so in the Bible, it's recorded that Jesus tells us what it truly means to follow him. And so that's what this series is all about. Uh, don't be a fan, what it means to truly follow Jesus. You might be surprised at what Jesus says uh, are true signs of a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to look at that uh, in the series. Essentially, when you boil it all down, he says, don't be a fan. On that Sunday every year, we encourage everyone to wear your favorite sports paraphernalia. So if you've got a football team, NFL team, college team, like I'll be wearing my OU gear uh, on that Sunday. Hopefully they'll be 2-0 at that point. And uh, on their way, yes, my Boomer Sooner fans are in the house today. Uh, so wear whatever your favorite baseball. If you, if you like things that aren't sports like baseball, you can, want, you can bring, wear that too. Um, just kidding. As I said, today is the fourth and final week in a sermon series called Labels, Living in Our True Identity. And this whole series is based off of one passage of Scripture in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's this little letter that was written to Christians all across the Roman province at the time. The letter is called 1 Peter. And there's probably someone today who is listening online or you're here in the service and you're thinking, so what? It's in the Bible. What does that mean for me? Because maybe you're here, you don't believe in God, therefore you don't believe in the Bible, or, or perhaps you think the Bible does not have any authority in our life, or maybe you've had a Christian in your life that used the Bible as a tool to beat you over the head spiritually. Whatever the case, I don't know. Uh, we're going to do our best today not to use the Bible as a tool to beat you over the head, but I want to show us today how the Bible relates to our life. And here's specifically why I believe what was written in First Peter matters why it matters to us, okay? Especially when it comes to living in our true identity. And the answer is not because it's in the Bible or because the Bible says so. As Christians, we should take that out of our language. That is not an answer because the Bible says so. It's here's, here's why it matters to me. Because of who wrote the letter, okay? So First Peter, uh, ironically written by a guy named Peter. We know of him as Saint Peter, but he wasn't always Saint Peter, was he? 
Like Peter, yes, he was one of the 12 original disciples of Jesus, which makes him an eyewitness to the life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus. Uh, But before he put his faith in Jesus as his Savior, when he saw him in resurrected form, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was not a saint. In fact, he was far from it. Before that happened, we, we saw this in week number one, looked at it pretty extensively, been reminding us of this every week. Peter was, was self-centered, prideful, arrogant, short-tempered, greedy, and a coward. That's who he was before Jesus and before being filled with the Holy Spirit. But something after that changed in Peter. Like those negative things were no longer his true identity. Something happened in his heart that can happen in our heart as well when it comes to our identity. And that's what Peter is writing about here in this passage. So we're going to look at, we looked at it every week, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. It's the theme passage. There's four labels here. And there's some underlined phrases that when I get to that point, I would like you to read it out loud with me. It's the three labels we've already looked at. So the underlined words read with me. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11 on the screens says this. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation. Good job. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now look at this. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. You have true identity Once you received no mercy, now you received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, and no, that is not fans of the band, just to clarify, uh, although I should have said the band starts singing right there when I read that, so let's try it again. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, I want to know what love is. (laughs) Who's with me? Yeah, okay. Which, by the way, if you don't know who foreigner is, Go home today on YouTube, look up Foreigners Greatest Hits, and you will watch videos like I Want to Know What Love Is, uh, Cold as Ice, Waiting for a Girl Like You, Head Games, and, and there's others on there as well. If you don't know what YouTube is, watch your grandkid, look it up, and you'll know what it is. So um, I'm, I'm digressing here. Um, other versions of the, of the Bible, uh, when it says temporary residents and foreigners, other versions use the word strangers or aliens. Here's what that phrase means. Someone who is passing through. That this world is not your home. You are citizens of heaven. So what Peter is saying is I'm warning you as citizens of heaven. Someone who is really a stranger in this land, just passing through. I'm warning you as passers through to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So I I love how these labels have been kind of laid out in this series from this passage. The first label was that you are chosen, that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are chosen by God inside of your shortcomings, in spite of your sins, and to be set free. And when you put your faith in God through Jesus, you begin to receive the benefits of being his child. That was the second label, royal priest, that when we believe we are adopted into God's family, which means we have instant access to God and inheritance available from God, and we can overcome adversity because of God, and when we are his child, we are given a position of holiness. You are a holy nation, and my position of holiness in Christ should lead to a practice of holiness for Christ. Spiritually speaking, those are great benefits, are they not? 
And those are incredible benefits for us to live in as followers of Jesus. It's actually, this whole series is a perfect setup for our next series, because when I truly know who I am in Christ, it will set me free to follow him with everything that, that I am. But here's the tension that I see in all of these labels. Okay, there's a tension here, and here's what it is. We often want all the benefits of being a child of God without having to carry the burden of standing out as one of his kids. Well, we want the benefits of being saved without having to stand out in this world. Especially as American Christians, we have become masters of blending in. We're masters at it. I ran across a news story recently, a true story, about a guy who was trying to blend in, and it didn't go very well for him. I got a picture of of the guy. This is actually his mugshot uh, of Jose Espinoza. Okay, Jose, it might appear that he has spray-painted his face black. That's because he did. And so Jose Espinoza was wanted for stealing cars. The authorities came to his house to arrest him, and he fled. And about an hour later, they arrested him one block from his house after he has spray-painted his face black to try and blend in with the shadows of the night. Guess where they arrested Mr. Espinoza? In front of a white wall. One of the arresting officers had a quote in the news story that I think was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. He said, Mr. Espinoza's camouflage was ineffective. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, the opposite is true for Christians today. Like, our camouflage is working great. I said it previously, we have become masters of blending in. Sadly, I think... If you were to take the average lifestyle of someone who says, I love Jesus and believe in him, next to a person who is not a Christian who would say, I don't love Jesus and don't believe in him, sadly, I'm not sure you could differentiate between the two, especially in America, especially in America. Why? Because we want all the benefits of being God's child without having to stand out as one of his kids. We're we're a lot more like the art of Trina Mary. Now, you probably have no idea who Trina Mary is. I didn't know until preparing for this message. But Trina Mary is a photographer who takes um, models, paints their bodies to blend in with a, a background, typically of a famous location, then takes their picture of them blending in. And this reminds me of American Christians today. Here's the first one. That guy's on the, he's actually at the Great Wall of China. She has painted his body to perfectly fit in with the, the background. Here's another one, I believe, at some of the Mayan ruins. The third one here, the Stonehenge. This next one is, like, beautiful. I, can't, I don't even know how she does that. And then the last one here is amazing. Painted him to blend in with the Colosseum and took his picture. I intentionally ended with the Colosseum. Because if you don't know, it was at the Colosseum, Roman Colosseum, where literally hundreds, if not thousands of Christians were murdered for entertainment. Why? Because they stood out. They believed they were just strangers passing through, and they were trying to take as many people with them as they could. And in the process, because they stood out for their Savior, they were killed for their faith. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking, because I'll be honest, I think this too. 
that if I choose to stand out, I will look like one of those Christian weirdos they always show on TV. I get it. Like, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, typically the Christians that get the most airtime are the ones who are the weirdest, right? So, so this hopefully uh, will help us, this big idea, as we push through this message today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. It's this. Being a stranger doesn't mean you have to be strange. It just means you need to stand out. Being a stranger does not mean you have to be strange. Please don't. It just means you need to stand out. So if we need to stand out, and I think it's a logical question, that's our big question today, what does it take to stand out? What does it take to stand out in this world? And we're going to look at my favorite Bible story of all time, found in the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 7 through 28. And so uh, we'll have it all on the screens. You can use your own Bible to follow along. There's instructions for the free Bible app, uh, version there. You can follow along on version. And by the time we're done with this story, if, you're, if you don't know this story and never heard it, the Bible's full of stories like this, and you're going to want your own Bible if you don't own one. And so if you don't, you can ask for one at guest services. We'll give you one for free today so you can read more stories like this and hopefully be inspired to follow Jesus. So here in Daniel 3, We're looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. If you are familiar with Veggie Tales, you might know them as Rack, Shack, and Benny. It's a lot easier to say if you want to say it that way. I really don't care. And to understand what we're walking into here, you need to know where these three young men came from. So I would encourage you this week, if you have some time, read Daniel chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. In fact, if you want to go through 6, I believe you'll kind of catch the whole story of Daniel uh, as well before he heads into some prophecy. But the first part of Daniel, we learn that the king of Babylon, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which is now modern-day Iraq, invaded the Jewish capital, Jerusalem, ransacked it, and then took the best of the young men and women back to Babylon as captives and as slaves. Most likely, most of those young men and women would have been teenagers at the time, at the very oldest, young men and young women. And four of those young men taken were Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their Jewish God-given names, but the Babylonians changed their names to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so God blessed these four young men inside of their slavery because they chose to honor God with their life. Nebuchadnezzar took notice of them. They began to move up the ranks of the Babylonian government. Eventually, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in charge of all the affairs of the Babylonian province, and Daniel was included in the king's court. So they were well-respected, highly trusted advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. Then in Daniel 3, we read that Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90-foot-tall statue that's 9 feet wide. So imagine 90-foot tall, 9 feet wide, gathers the entire Babylonian province at their capital and says, at the sound of the musical instruments, you are to bow down in worship of this tower, this image I've created. If you don't, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace where you will die. That's where we are. Picking up Daniel 3, 7 through 12, says this. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But... And that is a big butt. And you know what I say about big butts in the Bible. I like, just kidding. So it's funny every single time. Verse 12. But there are some Jews. This is huge. There are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. This is so, so huge. I saw this for the very first time in Scripture several months ago, and I have been waiting to preach this one point ever since I saw it. I never noticed it before. Like, I've heard this story my whole life. I've preached on this story a number of times, even here at Element Church. But this one thing changed the entire story for me, and here it is. The astrologers came to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, but there are some Jews, and then repeated their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said Jews, so he should have used their Jewish names, but he gave their Babylonian names. And here's what I saw, okay? Their identity was not rooted in the names that culture gave them. Their identity was rooted in the names that God had given them. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so I found out what those names mean. You don't want to know what they mean? It's a game changer. Hananiah means uh, the Lord is grace. Mishael means the Lord is great. And Azariah means the Lord helps. Hello. So they may have been included in the Babylonian culture, but their identity was bound up in Jesus Christ. Being a stranger does not mean you have to be strange. It just means you need to stand out. So what does it take to stand out in this world? Here's what these three young men, maybe even teenagers, teach us. This first thing, and it's the most important thing in this whole sermon, is this. Number one, be sure of who you're standing in. Be sure. Be sure of who you're standing in. That's what this label series has really been all about. That our true identity is not how we fit into the culture around us. Our true identity is about our faith in Christ who is in us. It is not about what other people think about us. It's about what Jesus already said is true for us. That our true identity is not being accepted by a certain crowd. It's about the fact that we have already been accepted by Jesus Christ. 
That is our true identity. And listen, listen, this is for everyone, but especially for the students in the room today, middle school, high school, college age students. I told you last week that if there was one message I would want to preach to students today, this would be that message. So it's for everyone but specifically for our students. And I want to tell our students, I love you guys. I am so proud of you. You are the best thing going on planet earth right now. You have more potential than you can even imagine. And I hope that you hear God speaking to your potential today. But here's what you need to know, students. If you live for the approval of man, you will die by their rejection. If you live for the approval of man, you will die by their rejection. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as teenage, probably young men, knew who they were standing in. They were standing in the Lord. Their identity was rooted in Jesus. They may have been called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their true identity was the Lord is grace, the Lord is great, and the Lord helps. But I wonder, I wonder, church, if the same astrologers were to look at Christians today, when everyone else bows down to the horn of culture, would I be included in the group that was said, but there are some Christians? But there, there are some Christians. Oh, how I pray. Oh, how I pray that it would be said about students in our church, but there are some junior high students, and there are some high school students, and there are some college students who refuse to serve your gods and will not worship the gold statues you've set up. Students in the room, you need to know this. You are not the leaders of tomorrow. You are leaders for today. So God, we are asking you in the name of Jesus in this generation to raise up other young men and young women who will live in the spirit of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The Lord is grace. The Lord is great. And the Lord helps. And church, it's already happening. It's already happening. I am so proud of our students. On Tuesday, this last Tuesday, seven of our fusion student ministry students called up their youth pastor, Pastor Brendan, here at our church. And they said, Brendan, we would like to pray over every high school in town before school starts. And so on Tuesday, these seven students went to all four high schools, East, Central, South, and Triumph. They stood on the lawn. They laid their hands on the buildings and prayed, God, would you do something great in our schools this year? It's already happening, church. Too many Christians have no problem blending in but church, I don't want us to blend in. I want us to stand out. But there are some Jews. They knew who they were standing in. You don't have to be strange. 
You just need to stand out. And look what happens, Daniel 3, 13 through 17. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance. Sounds like us parents. One. Give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And look at this arrogance. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, I think there's sarcasm there. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. So what does it take to stand out in this world? You got to know who you're standing in. Number two, you better be ready to stand firm. You better be ready to stand firm. Because when you have a faith that's willing to stand out, the enemy is going to attack and you need to be ready to stand firm. If we are thrown into that furnace, so be it. But our God is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. And by the way, I need to remind us of this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't know the rest of the story. It hadn't been written yet. They were living it. I've said this so many times before that we've got to be careful in our Christian mindset not to read stories like this and other great Bible stories as if the characters knew what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. They weren't living out of fantasy. They were living out their faith. They didn't know what God was going to do. They were just confident that their God was able to do anything. So they stood firm in their faith. Their character brought them to a crisis of faith. Their life was on the line. Would they choose to blend in? Would have been easy to do one time. Or would they be willing to stand out and die? And church, as your pastor, it is my responsibility to tell you this, there is coming a day. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But there is coming a day in our great country where being a Christian will no longer be accepted. And if we are not ready to stand firm, we will crumble under the pressure. That our character will also bring us to a crisis of faith. And if we're not willing to stand out now, when it might only cost us a few relationships and a reputation that doesn't matter on this planet anyway, if we can't give up that, what will we do when it might cost us our life? Being a stranger does not mean you have to be strange. It means you need to stand out. So what does it take to stand out in this world? Well, they show us in Scripture. You've got to know who you're standing in. Be ready to stand firm. Our God is able to save us. And then look at Daniel 3, 18. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. 
but he's able to save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if he doesn't. Uh, Here they were, teenage young men, standing before the man who literally held their life in his hands. And they said to him, you might set yourself up as an object of worship, O king, but we worship only one king. He is able to save us. He is powerful enough to rescue us. We even believe he will. But if he doesn't, kill us. We're already dead to ourselves anyway, and we only live for one true king. Come on. Not only were these, did these young men know who they were standing in, not only were they ready to stand firm, but here's the third one, and this kind of ties it all together. Number three is this. We've got to be able to stand strong. We've got to be able to stand strong. Because when we stand in the Lord and the enemy attacks and we're firm, it's going to take some perseverance to stay strong. Because church, the attack is not going to stop until we die or Christ returns. And we're all guaranteed one of those. I will die or Jesus will come back. And if I die, I want to die in Christ And if he returns, I want him to return with me in Christ. So what happened when these three young men stood strong in face of the king? What happened? Well, most of you know, okay? You can read it for yourself. The the king went off the handle, ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter. He bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with ropes, threw them in the furnace. Daniel records that the fire was so hot, the soldiers that threw them in died as they got close to the flames. And listen, for many Christians, that is the end of the story. There are Christians today, around the world, who will die because of their faith in Jesus. You need to do this. You need to go to persecution.org. Write, like, write that down. After church, go to persecution.org and read some of the stories. It's called Voice of the Martyrs. They keep us updated on what's happening to Christians around the world. The latest news story was released on August 26th, so two days ago. And it happened a month ago. American media won't cover it. But a month ago, there was another pastor, I believe in India, who was murdered. Why? Because he stood out leaving behind a wife, his kids, and a church who's now left to wonder, what do we do? But you see, that pastor understood he's just passing through. (laughs) This is not his home. His home is in heaven. And that's, that's just it. The most powerful part of this whole story is not what God does next. We've made the most powerful part what God does next, but that's not the most powerful part. What he did in these three young men leading up to this moment is the most powerful part of the story. That for all they knew, they were going to die in that fire, and they were okay with it. 
kill us, king. We already died to ourselves. You can't do nothing anyway. We live for one king, so throw us in. If he saves us, we'll prove he's real. If he doesn't, we will not deny him. Look what happens, Daniel 3, 24 through 30. But suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Did you guys count or anything? Uh, Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, he said, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Can you imagine? What up, king? That's what I'd be doing, right? And by the way, many scholars believe it was God. The pre-incarnate Jesus, second part of the Trinity, God the Son. Many people believe that Jesus was in the fire with them. That'll preach. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego stepped out of the fire. Like, imagine. Then the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, remember what he said earlier? What God can save you from me? Now look. Praise To the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and look, were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. The Lord is grace, the Lord is great, and the Lord helps. Woo! Being a stranger doesn't mean you have to be strange. It just means you stand out. So what does it take to stand out in this world? Be sure of who you're standing in, church. Are you standing in Jesus? Be ready then to stand firm and be able to stand strong. Why? Because you're chosen. You are chosen by God inside of your shortcomings, in spite of your sins, and to be set free. And when you believe, you are adopted as a royal priest, a child of God, having instant access to God, an inheritance available from God, and you will overcome adversity because of God. Hello. And because you're his child, you are made holy, a holy nation given a position of holiness in Christ that leads to a practice of holiness for Christ. And when you begin to live a holy life, guess what you do in this world? You stand out. You stand out. So know who you're standing in. Be ready to stand firm. Be able to stand strong. Here's how I want to end today. This quote from John Wesley. John Wesley is a great theologian from a couple hundred years ago. He had other contemporaries like John Calvin and Martin Luther followed after that. And so those men are, are now dead and gone, but they're with Jesus in heaven. And John Wesley, who was the, the kind of leader of what was called the Methodist movement, revivals that swept across our planet. This is my challenge to us as we close. 
It's a quote from John Wesley that's just been burning in my heart all week long. And here's what John Wesley said. And this is my prayer for us, church. Give me 100 preachers. I'll just say people. Give me 100 people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. And church, oh, how I pray that we will be filled as a church with people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And when we do that, God through us will shake the gates of hell in our community. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it all goes back to living in my true identity. I got to live in who Jesus says I am chosen, royal priest, holy nation, and a foreigner, a stranger. I'm just passing through. Church, we're passing through. And it's gone like that. I want to take as many people with me as I can. Amen? Love you guys. Love you guys. And I pray that our church would stand out because of who we are not just what we do who we are in christ let me pray for you then remain seated ryan's got some closing words god you're so good and lord i thank you for the story of hananiah mishael and azariah the lord is grace the lord is great and the lord helps Lord, I pray that we would stand firm in our identity in you. And Lord, as we stand out, I pray that you would draw more and more people into your family. We're chosen, we're royal priests, we're a holy nation, and we are strangers in this world just passing through. God, we love you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.